Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, you're all very welcome back to a Celtic Soul podcast, episode number three, with me, your host, Andrew Millen. This episode is kindly sponsored by the Brazen Head Pub in Glasgow. Jan and all his staff are looking forward to welcoming the Celtic family back to the pub when we get back to normal. Today I'll be talking to Tommy Johnson, former Celtic striker and now head of recruitment at Blackpool. I'll also be talking to Glasgow-based journalist and regular in the standing section at Celtic Park, Michael Pringle. It's always nice to chat to Michael and even better to get his balanced opinion on all things Celtic. So here's how we get on. Okay, delighted to be joined by Michael Pringle, my old friend from more than 90 minutes. He's been writing for us for a long, long time. He's also a Glasgow-based journalist. And I suppose uh, my insight into the ultra scene, uh, a regular in the standing section of Celtic Park. And while, uh, while I have you on, Michael, uh, the lockdown, how have you been during the lockdown? Uh, well, I've been working from home for the last uh, three months now, I think, so since before the lockdown. So it's been hard going with children at home, but still here. There's not really anywhere to go, so it doesn't matter that much, does it? I suppose your comrades in, in, the, in the North Stand, or the North Cove, they've been busy with some charity work. Yeah, a lot of them have been um, out and about collecting for um, NHS workers and stuff. Uh, they've, been, they've been doing it. They're always busy with that sort of stuff. They just underplay it. No, they don't, they don't look for recognition as such for it. They don't really look to publicise it. They just look to do their best for people in need, whether that be food banks or... or in, in this kind of circumstances, PPE and um, food and goodies for NHS staff. So, ah, uh, they, they, they don't look for credit for it. They just they just look to, to do it's, it's and keeping with the charitable, the charitable aspects of the club or the, the historical charitable aspects of the club. No, no, I'm fair, I'm fair play to them, um, and and indeed all the Celtic fans because there's been so many different charity initiatives. Every time you go on to social media, there's there's someone doing something. My own clubs at Margaret's, we done um, charity run. A walk in my, in my case for the Gary Kelly Centre, and everyone's got out, and we had the whole month of May to do it, and it's been it's just been a good crack on on, on the page as well because you now some of us who wouldn't be the most fittest in the club out doing some of the young lads. So, and I think I'm not sure what the figure's been raised, but you know, like I think everyone threw a few quid in, and then you know, you had to register, and it seems to be an ongoing thing with Shatley fans, and I suppose Walton Clouds people in general. Yeah, our supporters club as well. Uh, Gamgad Melbourne Supporters Club and we donated quite a bit of a, we're obviously still taking in membership fees so even though there's no buses to pay for and stuff so we use some of that to give to local charities and stuff so it's good that we can still do something while we're stuck, stuck at home no? Yeah, yeah you know and, and I take my hat off to everyone that does we were talking about Celtic fans Michael I suppose it's been so strange to end the season the way we did we were flying you know and denied us a treble but hopefully we'll get it next season because the Scottish FA are saying that no, it's going to they're going to play it next season. Yeah, it's really disappointing the way it ended. 
Um, we, we were obviously we were flying. We came back after we came back after the Christmas break and hit the ground running. The only blip in that was there was two blips: the European one and the, the Copenhagen game at home. And the, the the point that we dropped at Livingston, or could you could possibly look at that as a point one. But other than that, we had magnificent. We were magnificent. It's disappointing that it's ended the way it is. Everybody everybody knows that we, we wanted to play the games. No, there's, there's there's no doubt in any our minds that we wanted to play the games and, and win it in style. And we were only 48 hours away from, from um, probably sealing it at Ibrox, I think, because I think we would have went there and won. Um, I'm, I'm positive we wouldn't have went there and lost. Um, we could have sealed it there. Um Maybe not mathematically, but um, but I think it already was done in Dusty to an extent before then. Anyway, um, Scottish Cup. I'm glad that I'm glad that at least can go ahead. It's, it's only the two games, so it's great that we can maybe get a quadruple treble under our belt. And Michael, you want to, I can always rely on you for a level opinion. Were you surprised how bad Rangers were when they came back? <laughs> I'll be honest, I was because I thought they looked better than us. The game at the game on the, the 27th of December whenever it was, I was disappointed in the way that we approached the game and the way we played and I thought maybe they were, I actually thought maybe they were better than, than what they were um, and I expected them to come back and make a, make a better go at and I thought we could be in trouble because of the, the obviously the game in hand but they basically imploded as, as, as soon as they came back. No, so it's, it's a bit of the winning mentality as well. It's not just being able to beat your rivals in a one-off game. You've got to, you've got to maintain that uh, and treat every game with the same sort of approaches. Every game with the same mentality. Uh, and Celtic have got very very good at, over, at that over the last few years. No, that's something that Brendan Rodgers instilled in them. No, that relentless winning mentality. I think, and uh, obviously Neil Lennon's kept it going. I was surprised at how quickly um, they caved. To be honest, I thought they would have. I thought they would have made a better festival. I know we had the stronger squad and stuff, but I thought we would have definitely made a better go of it than they did. So I did expect them to wilt, but maybe not quite as quickly as they did. Now, Michael, you you've been a critic of atmospheres of Celtic back when I when I met you first, and then because you'd been over to Germany to watch St. Pauli, so you were kind of my first go-to for uh, when, I'm, when I'm when I'm looking for info on the ultra scene and that. And when the Green Brigade started, you, you, you were quick to, you know, you were close to that section anyway, and you were quick to embrace the ultra culture in Celtic Park. And indeed, like, the, there's no doubt, they like Marmite, the Green Brigade. Uh, you know, you either love them or hate them, and some, some fans have no time for them, and some fans love them. In your case, football without fans, you know, football in empty stadiums, this is like, uh, fucking hell, isn't it? The thought of it. It is, it is, but I've, I've, I've said as well that football with football without fans, sorry, football without fans is nothing. But fans without football might even be worse to an extent, no? Because we're sitting in the house and we've got nothing to watch. I mean, these German games have been have been put out live in recent weeks, and everybody's clamouring to watch them. People that have never watched a German football match in their life, and but the strange thing is that the the, the German football. Um, is generally worth watching because of the atmospheres and the crowds and stuff. And to be honest, I've not watched any. I've not watched any if it came back on. And that's just because I've not got a subscription for anything at the moment. <laughs> but um, I probably would watch it if it was there. I've been watching reruns of games. Last last night I was watching 1989 Liverpool Arsenal title decider, and it seems like only yesterday I was watching that live now. I was I was looking at Anfield and it's got packed terraces back then and the Arsenal fans were crammed into one end and the cops flowing flowing and um, and then you look at the, the empty terraces you know, these these games in Germany now and it's just it's just um, yeah football with it, without fans is nothing but it's slightly better than nothing to have these games. Yeah, that's true. Well, maybe, maybe maybe that's true, but I just can't. When I when I first heard it being muted, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like you know, like the only sport I can think that that works is boxing because I've seen some great spars in, in gyms. I've seen some great scraps in gyms when there's no one there. But I just think you know. To be fair, I've seen a couple of the Italian games before they went off. They were played behind closed doors, and they were decent football matches. To be fair. And if you watch some of the games here in Scotland, you'd be as well playing them behind closed doors because once you go down to the lower leagues, you've got two men and a dog, you know what I mean, watching them. So, or if you watch junior football here, no. so um, I can see why. I mean, it, it loses, it loses something for me because there's not many people who watch Scottish football for the quality of football. I don't think. 
the monitor, you watch it for the atmosphere and the, the spectacle of it. I was going to go on about this as well, about, the, about Rangers reducing the, the, the away ticket allocation. For me, they've, they've killed something about the about what, what for me was um, one of the best derby matches in football. But uh, reducing it, I mean, people people didn't talk about the, about the, the game, the Glasgow derby or prior to that, the Old Firm derby, as something... Uh, as a great football spectacle because of the because of the, the quality of players or the quality of football in the field it was it was to do with the atmosphere and the background very much so Dave King's definitely killed it for me it's just not the same as as it was and I say that as someone who didn't didn't get a ticket for any of the uh, games at Ibrox where we were limited to 800 I was at the, the two previous games um, against the new incarnated new incarnation of a club from us outside. Um, we had full stands and um, I thought it was brilliant and all, but I, I, I mean I, I looked at it from the other side when, when we lost that game in, in December to them and they only had 750-800 fans there and I just thought what a balls up for, for King because there could have been 7,000 of their fans absolutely pissing all over the top of us so, so. well they could have had they, they could have that, was, that would have been like them winning the Champions League because it's the only success they've had you know yep uh, would have been more of them uh, built into a false sense of security before we came back from the yeah, it's, it's definitely diminished as a spectacle of course it has yeah but as an occasion no the king needed money didn't he he needed season books that was it that's the argument they give you all we had a waiting list we've got a waiting list too but we've done a resort to those measures no so I think we're in a slightly better financial state than our rivals over the city. Definitely. That's, that's one thing with hindsight. Um, I mean, we've gone about the board, no spending enough money, but um, with hindsight, it might, might be a good thing that they've kept the, the purse strings tight in recent years, or relatively tight. They have released quite a few quid in recent years for people like Edward. Um, but uh, it might be a good thing in hindsight. Uh, Michael, the nine in a row. Are you of a vintage to remember the first nine in a row? Oh, you too young. Um, I vaguely remember it, but I wasn't attending football at the time. It was 78, 77, 78 when I started attending the game, so I just missed it and Celtic had fallen. Celtic were playing in the heights of the Anglo-Scottish Cup and stuff like that and losing to teams like Burnley and stuff. So um, so I just missed it in the vintage Celtic year. So um, I started watching then. I think I think Rangers won a treble around about 77 or 78, I think. So that was the first treble I sort of knew of when I was attending football. No? And I'm, I, I wasn't at the, the 79 when we won, the, the 10 men won the league. I wasn't at that. Um, I was at the 80 Scottish Cup final, first league winning season when I was attending football. Would have been um, 81, 81, 82. So, um, but we got a couple a short space of time then before we had a large empty barren spell through the latter 80s apart from the centenary year so but no I, I don't really remember the only, the only line that I saw play uh, in the flesh I think was for Celtic was, was Bobby Lennox he was a, the last Lisbon line when I started attending no? so, so I, I, I'm not old enough to actually remember the but do you think, I, I, I do remember it but only no You'll, you'll always remember the, the 90s. <laughs> you don't forget. Yeah, I remember the 90s as well. Although I think, I, I don't know, I've got selective memory when it comes to that, I think. No. I was actually, we were watching that last, last when I was watching that last night, uh, Liverpool Arsenal game for 1989, I noticed that Martin Hayes uh, was a substitute and came on as a substitute. So he's, he, he won the title at Anfield that day. Um, so it shows there was a player in there somewhere, no, but when he came to us, he just didn't, just didn't do it. Um, well, it happens, it happens. Yeah, it does that. Well, it's Joe Slayer. I thought he was a decent player, but um, when you've got a lot of dross playing around about you, it sort of drags you down to mediocrity, I suppose. Eh? Yeah, I suppose. No one's going to make a video of the Lou Macari years. Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> but when you push on, Michael, like, you know, to this current, like this, this nine, like, you know, we've, we've played really well since Lenny's come back in, especially this year. We, we had a brilliant time under Brendan Rodgers. Two titles under Ronnie. And uh, obviously, Lenny kicked it off. You've seen some high-quality players coming into the club, so, so something's going right for us. And I could never have imagined that we would be so dominant, having what no, we've been through over the years. No, neither could I. Um, I thought we this season. I, I, I'll be honest. I wasn't. I wasn't. Um, I wasn't 
I wasn't over the moon with the fact that, that when Lenny got reinstalled as manager, I had my doubts over whether he was a man to take us forward, but he's totally proved me and a lot of others wrong. I mean, the, the cup final win last year was tempered by the news that, that Lenny had been given the job permanently. And um, I was a bit disappointed, I'll be honest. But while he's taken, he's, he's taken us up another level, I think, in, in our style of play, he's obviously took what's good for the Brendan Rodgers style. And added to it by getting the ball forward quicker, he showed that he can change the change the lineup as well. Whereas Brendan was quite he was quite set in, in the way he played. No, regardless of who we were playing, he would play the same style. Which and we get found out in Europe a few times, a few hidings there because of that. Um, Lenny's can be obviously obviously seen there was problems with and and the run up to the to the New Year Christmas break went a break um, and came back with a different formation with the, with the two strikers. Um, brilliant to see Lee Griffiths back um, after the break as well because I, I thought we started the season really well we started really well we, a, we absolutely hammered St Johnson the first day of the season um, and then we went to Motherwell which is always a tough one and we won 5-2 there Griffiths on the score sheet then then we closed away I think it was we drew great result again and then I think maybe we played Rangers and, and, and won um, so it was a fantastic start and then the Kludge home game sort of brought back the doubts um, and that, we, that maybe he wasn't, wasn't a man for it, but I think he learned a lot from that, that defeat. I think, obviously, you can learn more in defeat than you do in victory at times, and I think he definitely learned from that. I th- there was a couple of disappointments for me during the season, but they weren't really they weren't the league performance. The Kludge game was a big hell of a disappointment because I thought we could have got past them. We probably should have got past them. Um, you can argue all, all you like about budgets and stuff. We've got a bigger budget than they would have had. Um, got better players than they would have had. So that was a disappointment. The other disappointment for me was um, Copenhagen. And not so much the home game. Copenhagen away because we had the chance. In the first half, I thought to blow them off the park and, and, and put us through the next round. And I remember speaking to... I remember speaking to... A friend on the way back, and we were walking back, and we, um, this train station was closed. We had to go to another train station, and I said, I said to him that I was a bit disappointed. And I said, that's maybe a, a mark of how far we've come in Europe that you're disappointed we're on a, we're a draw away from home and a knockout uh, round. And I just said, I hope that it didn't come back to haunt us. And unfortunately, <laughs> it did come back to haunt us. So, and I was like, why am I so disappointed? I mean, normally we go away from home, we've got a draw away from home in Europe, you'd be back to Celtic Park, delighted, but there was just a nagging doubt in my mind that maybe we, had, um, we hadn't taken for opportunity and, and it turned out that way in the, in the return, no? So that was just the disappointments for me. The, the highlights probably were, were also in Europe, but the two games against Lazio were, oh. were absolutely out. The night we turned Rome upside down. Yeah, I, I mean, that was just an incredible Incredible night. I mean, I think I counted up. Mr. Dane Gilroy had had, had noticed he'd marked his 100th away trip for Celtic this season. Um, and I counted mine up just out of curiosity, and I think I'd done 78. But the, the victories in that time, I probably only measure about 10%. Um, and most of them are against sort of lower nation or a lesser nation size, shall we say. A lot of draws in there. But to go to Rome and everything that was the whole the whole um, atmosphere surrounding the match and the, the whole thing with the ultras and everything. And then it was just incredible. No? It was just, and to win it in the style that we did was, was, just, was just amazing. That was a night that'll, that'll stay with me forever. And I feel gutted for all my friends that have travelled over the years and money in Rome that night. Do you know that? Yeah, it's funny, Michael. Um, I've just been, I've just got a first draft of the fanzine, which will be out by the time the, the podcast comes out. Um, and the cover will be in Shaman Rome uh, because when I look back, you know, obviously we haven't had football for a couple of months and always the, the, the last fanzine is always a look back on the season, you know, the last fanzine of the season. And I, I look back and I've no fonder memory than, than, than Rome. And it's funny, I'm getting a bit of slagging off people because from the start of the season, I says, Europe will be a bonus. Cups will be a bonus. It's all about winning nine in a row. But that night in Rome, it was just, I think it's such a historical place, such a historical stadium and such a yeah. historical win. Added to that, I mean, there was a lot of people downplaying it at the time that um, maybe Lazio and Italian football aren't great at the moment. But after that defeat, they went on a tremendous 
tremendous run and we're pushing all the way for the title there to the end. So it's maybe a measure of how, how good a victory it was. I mean, and they beat them over beat them both legs, which was great. Really great. Yeah, like, like I think, Michael, as well, uh, I think, you know, sometimes because I suppose Neil is a homegrown manager, you know, he's come through Celtic, he's played with Celtic and he's managed. And the first time around, he was the one that masterminded beating Barcelona. Yeah. And if I could just swing back to, or swing forward to when he's Hibs manager, he, he always knew how to set his team out against Celtic under Brendan. Yeah. You know, I, I've yeah. I never seen us play Hibs where you went, under Lennon where you went. It was once or twice, you know, they could have, they could have beat us. You were probably just missing that little bit of quality. And I think that goes unnoticed with Lennon that, he, you know, he is a good tactician. He, he does know the game. That. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, some of the toughest games we had a couple of seasons back where, where Hibs, I looked at the, the games against them. I mean, the one three one at Celtic Park and it was, I thought it was one of our toughest games. Um, I think it was a two-each draw as, as well, which was a really difficult. I mean, they've been really hard for us to beat um, in recent years, both under Lennon and still since then, no? Um, I don't know what it is. They seem to, but um, I think that I think if they kept McGinn for another season, they might have actually um, pushed for a, a bit more silverware than they did in that solitary Scottish Cup in a hundred years, whatever it is. Yeah, but it's the story of Scottish football, you know. Like especially especially outside ourselves, you know, players come along and if if they've any type of quality, if we don't sign them. They'll go down yep. south because it's it's you know a football career is short and like they're they're looking at you know getting themselves financially secure as well. Yeah, well, hopefully we can keep a hold of the likes of Edward um, for a bit longer. Um, I'm hoping that the, the, the sort of financial climate in football has changed so dramatically because of this that there won't be that many people that can actually. I'm I'm, I'm sh- pretty sure there'll be a. There'll be a, a, a fee that's, that's in uh, Edward's contract that, that will have to be met before before any release clause. So um, I would expect that we're in a better position to hold on to him now than we were before this before this lockdown began. So hopefully, and, fingers crossed. And there's been telephone numbers uh, suggested, you know. Um, but like, it's it, I suppose it, I don't like to draw comparisons between different eras in the game, but I suppose it was like. Uh, you know, when we got to keep Henrik for for an extra year, yeah. uh, obviously he got his pay off of the testimonial. But you, you're looking and you're thinking, keep the team, the nucleus of the team together. Add one or two. It doesn't need major surgery. You know, there's a bond there. And then let's go for that 10 in a row. And let's yeah. get the I'm celebration gonna... we missed out on this year. Yeah. Um, and we've got some good young players coming through, through as well. Mikey Johnson started the season really well and that. I remember um, I went to the, the, the Youth Cup final a couple of years ago and every, all the talk was a Billy Gilmore. This was um, Celtic against Rangers, so all the talk was a Billy Gilmore. And I went and watched the game. Uh, Gilmore was decent, but not a standout. Mikey Johnson, for me, was absolutely tremendous. I was like, who is that guy, man? When, um, so that was obviously before he came in came and broke into the first team and stuff. So he was a bonus. It was just a pity he got injured. A bit of an experience, I think, cost him. Uh, most of the season Frimpong for me has been absolutely superb he was another highlight for me there's two games against there's two games against Partick Thistle that maybe that maybe stand out for me this year as well for, for different reasons other than scintillating performances but um, Frimpong's debut was against Partick Thistle in the League Cup we beat them 5-0 and for that for that, for that reason it was a highlight for me because I thought wow what a, what a find we've got in this boy and then after the winter break we played Thistle again at Fur Hill in the, the, the Scottish Cup and uh, Griffiths scored his first goal his comeback goal and that for me was a, a magical moment as well even though it was a bit pretty drab game 2-1 victory but um, so the two games against Thistle stood out for me this season for different reasons obviously but that was like getting another player back as well getting, So getting, from, from, from Lazio to Fur Hill Lazio to Fur Hill for thrills Who's <laughs> <laughs> got a good pie at Fur Hill Funny story, that, that Scottish Cup game, um, Patrick Thistle oversold the tickets. So we had, we had tickets in uh, the Jackie Husband's stand that for seats that didn't exist. So they put us into the investor section, which we, so we got a padded seat and we all crowded in there, uh, five to a seat, you know. Uh, that that and, must have been the first time there was a drum in the padded seats. 
to be fair, if this would have gave us more money back after that as well, so fair play to them. No, like no, like other team in the city, I think we might struggle to get my money back for them for that. Yeah, well, yeah, look, you can't pay a face painter, they ain't going to pay you, Michael. Uh, I've been told it's, um, I've been told that that money hasn't been paid by Celtic, so to them yet for the for our uh, 800 allocation, so maybe got a better chance of getting it back then than I first thought. <laughs> Listen, Michael, it's been, it's been great to chat to you. Um, I look forward I to getting grabbing a coffee with you when we're back in Glasgow. Hopefully sooner, sooner rather than later. And just just to say thanks again for joining us. And um, we hopefully we get you back in the podcast again. And thanks very much for all your contributions over the years to more than 90 minutes. Thank you. Thank you very much. And stay safe. Stay well, mate. I'd just like to thank Michael again for taking time out to chat to us. And I'd also like to thank him for his contribution over the years to more than 90 minutes. Always quality articles. I hope everyone's keeping safe during the lockdown. It's been so strange recording this podcast at a distance. It would be great to get the people into the studio. So maybe if the quality on some of the interviews is a little hazy, please bear with us and give us time. And I'd just like to say thank you so much to everybody for all the comments and everybody who has listened and subscribed. It's been so encouraging, the feedback. And with the support of the Celtic fans and all our listeners, we can continue for a long time to come. I still have visions of Tommy Johnson celebrating when he scored the goal for Martin O'Neill's Celtic team to win the league against St Mirren. I can't remember much more about the day because I have to say I was quite drunk celebrating. What a year that was, a treble. Martin O'Neill only the third manager to do it in the club's history. Who would have thought we'd be doing them now on a regular basis? So catching up with Tommy to relive those days was absolutely brilliant. I'm delighted to be joined today by Tommy Johnson on the podcast, signed from Aston Villa for Celtic for 2.3 million, a winner of six trophies at the club, and he also went through, I think, six managers, Tommy. Is that all? <laughs> well, if you include Kane the Gleesh, forward slash John Barnes. <laughs> yeah, uh, obviously Tommy signed us. He was an absolute great man. Just done a podcast about half an hour ago and talking about Tommy when I first knew of his interest obviously in the club came up to speak to him just sat in his office in the dressing room home team dressing room just talking football for hours it was uh, it was fantastic and even after two minutes of speaking to him you knew you wanted to sign for him so passionate and uh, as you said last signing which I'm honoured to be even though I wish there was many many more because I think it was only three weeks when I was there that uh, he left the club but uh, a great man and everybody associated with Celtic knows what a fantastic man he is. Yeah, I think, you know, Tommy, as yeah. he always said, he was the player that lived the dream, but he was also the manager that lived the dream. And uh, Scottish Cup, but unfortunately, he never won the league. But he, he certainly put the foundations in to win the league. Definitely, yeah. Uh, I think the season before I signed, I think uh, they went unbeaten, but just through too many games. And I was fortunate enough to still be at the club and he came back with Kenny Daglish and uh, I always remember in the first we got talking again and the first thing he was saying this is we'll get your career back on track and all that I'll get you in the side and then it's obviously down to myself but uh, and then we won the cup you know the league cup and unfortunate to score and uh, as I said before Andrew he's just a fantastic man fantastic family who made me and my family feel so welcome when we came to Glasgow at first yeah, oh, a, a brilliant, a brilliant person. I was lucky enough to meet him at one of the Vegas conventions. Not a bad singer either. Mac the Knife. Yeah, well, that was his party piece. <laughs> Tommy, how was, how's life been in lockdown for you? Yeah, strange. I'm at Blackpool now, head of recruitment. Uh, new manager's just come in, Neil Critchley. He had, he had two games before it was all shut down. Uh, it was, I think, the month before lockdown, I was helping out as an interim assistant manager with David Dunn after Simon Grayson had left. So it got me boots back out the loft and was on the training pitch for the lads and doing the coaching side of it. And then lockdown comes and well, my, my intention was always to come back into the recruitment side of it. You know, that's what I enjoy doing. And then you're just at home and I think it's like everybody else. You just think it's so weird and, you know, you're not allowed to go out and you can't go and see your family and all that. But from a professional point of view, we just carried on as normal. You know, it's uh, dealing with agents uh, all different scenarios 
of whether you know we're going to come back football this season or, or working towards next season. So I'm just on the laptop morning, day and night uh, watching players and it's probably like most clubs at the minute but we are good in the fact that we have got a good recruitment side uh, and I would probably say it's one of the best in League One, Andrew, you know. We've got a stats and data analyst. Uh, there's myself and a few of the scouts. Darren Jackson works for us in Scotland. So it's a case of basically just looking at targets morning, noon and night, watching players on the laptop and building up a shortlist for hopefully when we do start playing football again and and putting in lists for different scenarios. You know, is there going to be a salary cap, which has been mentioned as well? So you've got to do things you know, based on the finances, which could be lower than what, we, what we're what we paying at the minute. So, yeah, keeping very busy, very, very busy. It's obviously harder that the scouts are not, that report into you, are not, you know, seeing these players in the flesh because I remember uh, during your time at Celtic, uh, Rafael Shoy came from Brazil, this Brazilian international, you know, and Martin O'Neill wasn't long running him. <laughs> Yeah, even since I've come into the recruitment side, you know, I'm, I can go back to the old days where it was pen and paper writing things down and you've got to say, there was no videos to watch players, no databases, you know. If you wanted to watch someone from the Segunda League and La Liga, you'd have to fly over and go and watch them. But nowadays, you could click a couple of clicks of the button, you can watch a, a game with a wide-angle screen where you can see all the players. So I can totally get it nowadays why, and a lot of clubs are doing that, even opposition analysis, watching who you're going to be playing in the next couple of weeks, just watching it on the video. But uh, deep down, I've got to go and watch a player, you know, and, and and if it's at all possible, get me scouts to watch them as well, because you get a better feel of what, of what you're looking at, even even silly little things of watching them in the warm-up, just to see what they're like, Andrew, you know, but... Uh, I can see the way it's going. It, you know, there's technology and, as I said, a lot of clubs are using more more doing stuff on the laptop, etc. But uh, deep down, if I can get to watch a player, I'll definitely go and watch him. And not just once, you've got to watch him, I don't know, on a Tuesday night when it's absolutely lashing down, which is quite normal in Scotland. But down here, <laughs> the weather is a little bit better, you know. But Oh, uh, you're on the sunny you've coast. Go and, <laughs> you've still got to go and watch them in a way. Oh, Blackpool, living up in Blackpool, huh? The Vegas of England. <laughs> uh, just, just, just back to Tommy. Um, obviously, you've been involved since you retired in coaching and scouting. William McStay was was, it was an integral part of the youth system uh, at Celtic, along with Tommy, and um, he's still he's still in a scouting role at Celtic. Did you pick up anything from the likes of Willie? Well, I knew Willie from. I was at Notts County as a lad and then Willie came down to play for him, joined us from Huddersfield. So I've known Willie since, oh God, late 80s. And uh, I think one of my first calls when I was coming up to Glasgow was to Willie. You know, he was still working there at the time. I know he's left a couple of times and come back. But uh, in fact, I was just on the phone. It was only the other day talking about players, you know. So he's one of the people I trust in the scouting capacity where I can ring Willie up and, and just mention a player and I'll get an honest opinion from because anybody who knows William is, knows what he's like and uh, obviously his football knowledge as well as right up there with the best of them. So uh, it's always nice to catch up with Willie. But going back at, at scouting for Celtic and you're going to watch players and you know, and they, they are interested in you. Yeah, what a great club to be to be learning your trade at, you know, coming up through the ranks. And over the years, you know, it is a massive club and they have got money to spend. But if youngsters are good enough, the managers, especially when I've played as well, and the ones at present will play the youngsters. Especially now in the, in the current climate, it seems to be that youngsters will get oh, a chance. Oh, definitely. Yeah, there's obviously, yeah, there's, there's obviously the, the money that's been spent in the past, and you know, and, we, and I think the, the Celtic will go and spend money. But if they've seen that a youngster is coming through, like for the, I'm just going off the top of the, you know, James Forrest come through the ranks. We've got Mikey Johnston at the minute. You know, it's coming through and, and there's many more. And the thing is, they'll get a good grounding at Celtic, Andrew, with all the training and the facilities there. And if they don't make it at Celtic, they're always going to get another club, you know, because of the upbringing that they've had. Yeah, like Calvin Miller, who I think played under Brendan, um, got his chance under Brendan. He's just left. As you said, clubs will be interested because of the grounding he's had. Yeah. 
Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I know he's been on loan a couple of times. So it's, you know, you're not just going to filter and leave football and drift through. No doubt. You know, I've seen, I've seen Calvin a few years ago, you know, playing in the fullback position and he's just done well. But at the end of the day, is he going to get a chance at Celtic? Possibly not. He did in the early days, but his career hasn't probably gone as, as what he'd probably like. But uh, he's got a chance now to go go somewhere else and stamp his authority on his career. And tell me, six managers at the club, you know, they all bring different stuff. How hard was it for a player to have so many managers in, in such a short time? Well, it wasn't my decision, Andrew. <laughs> well, it might have been, you never know. Well, if, if, listen, I've made the biggest decision in my career to come up to Celtic, you know, and once you know Celtic, I mean, that's it, end up, you know, I was okay at Aston Villa, been well documented, you know, I was enjoyed my time there with Brian Little, but when Celtic come in, and as I've mentioned previous, just before, speaking to Tommy Burns, no other place I'm going to go, you know, it was fantastic. And But then, after three, four weeks of signing, he leaves, you're like, you're in, you're in a bit of turmoil and you think, what have I done here? You know, yeah, I'm signing for Celtic, but I'm signing for Tommy Burns as well. So that was, oh, was very, very disappointing. You know, Vim came in and cannot argue one iota what he'd done for the club, you know, apart from the first two games. But he just didn't fancy me as a player. You know, we have a laugh about it now, but at the time it was it was horrible. Not training, but, you know, getting injured getting involved and then then I done me knee so and then he left so uh, Joseph come in Joseph Bengloss but I was still injured I didn't I didn't get back until the, I think it was the February time so it's only a couple of games playing under Joseph and then he's gone John Barnes no comment whatsoever because I'm not allowed to swear on video <laughs> so we'll just leave it at that <laughs> Best player in the world, loved him as a player, but as a manager, say no more. Uh, John, but and so then Kenny took over with Tom Burns, which was revitalized me. You know, we won the cup, I scored, I was playing, enjoying it. Uh, it was class, and you know, half of me, more than half of me, wanted them to get the job full time. But then the gaffer came in, uh, Martin O'Neill, and you know, I had undoubtedly my best season under the gaffer, winning the treble, scoring a goal against St. Mirren, all that. Uh, so for all the lows I had, Andrew, with, and you mentioned all the different managers I played under, my uh, I can only remember my time itself with fondness and happiness, especially with the last season of winning the treble. You know, and that's all people remember. Now they don't go back to all the injuries I had or all the managers I never played under, <laughs> should have played under. You know, uh, but it was just that last season and. It was fantastic. Uh, I think it was, I'm just reading the other day, I still speak to Martin all the time. I worked for him at Forest last year. And, you know, it's 20 years since he signed, which is it's just gone like that. And it's frightening. So and it, like, it's 20 years next year since we won the treble. So time flies when you're having fun. And, and being a Celtic fan now, and being obviously being part of the family because I've played for them, which you always are when you play for them. And supporting Celtic now, oh my, it's absolutely dreamland, isn't it? It's absolutely oh. fantastic. You know, I was speaking to Lenny the other day. It's, uh, I bet I can't wait for the season to start again. You know, that's what they want, so we can go for 10 in a row. And oh my gosh, it'll be absolutely fantastic if they could do it again. Yeah, Tommy, before you came up, obviously I've been following the club since the late 80s. And when I started following them, they'd just done a double and then there was all those barren years. So to see a nine in a row and treble after treble, it's, it's amazing. And to think back, people were calling for Lenny's head the first time around in Rugby Park. I think Kamarnock were playing us off the park. And then I think Anthony Stokes and Forrest dig him out of jail, dig Lenny out of jail. And the mm-hmm. rest is history, nine titles later. Yeah. Well, obviously, everybody knows how you know, close I am to Lenny. We, uh, we used to room together. The uh, big stubs he left. So, and... You know, I know, I know what he's like. And I've said last year when he come back in, you know, there was omens and omens about Neil coming back in to take over from Brendan Rodgers. But I think Peter Lawwell and Dermot Desmond absolutely pulled the masterstroke, you know, and I've said that from day one because he knew the club, he knew the players, he knew the history of the club, he knew what he had to do, you know, and he was just ticking over and he couldn't really stamp his authority on that season because it was, I think it was February time. So we only had couple of months to just get the lads over the line 
And then last the start of last season, he could implement his style of play, what he wanted from the players and all that. And they've, they've been brilliant, you know. I think the only blip was, you know, the last Rangers game, just was it before the winter break. But they're going to have blips, of course they are, you know. But uh, since the break, they've been absolutely fantastic. You know, and I think that everybody's just gutted that they couldn't celebrate winning nine in a row on the pitch because that's what they'd want in front of the own fans. But no matter what, no matter what anybody says, there's no blip on this title at, at all because they've thoroughly deserved it. And then that's far in front of Rangers, you know what I mean? There was no chance Rangers catching us. So I think he'd be setting himself up now to get back into training, getting himself ready for hopefully an August start and the season to commence again. And uh, fingers crossed, touch wood, it'll be uh, a season to remember. Yeah, hopefully we get back as fans as well to enjoy maybe later on in the year because it doesn't look like we're going to get back at the start. Just when you speak about Martindale and you call him the gaffer, it seems to be every time I speak to a player that played under Martin, he's the gaffer. The respect is, is, it's not is just unbelievable. Massive Andrew, but I'm the same with anyone who I played under. You know, Tommy Burns, Joseph, a lot of them I'd call, I still call all my ex-gaffers gaffer because they were and still are in my head, you know what I mean? But uh, it's just probably just a respect thing that we've got as players that you always call your ex-managers gaffer. There's some I probably wouldn't call gaffer, but uh, yes, definitely with Martin. See, I, I, I feel a bit nervous calling them Martin. It's gaffer to me, you know? It's uh, it's just a respect thing and, you know, it, it'll always stay with us. I think sometimes as well, um, players and fans based in England, they seem to look north and go, oh, you know, the league is not great or the teams are not great. But when you look back at your time there, the competition for starting places up front was unbelievable. Like Gadetti, Henrik, Bradback, Faduka, Sutton, serious talent. I said before I was doing a plea, uh, just before I come on here, I was doing another podcast and it says, can you name like your favourite 11 and all that? And then you're looking up front and you, and you just mentioned, you just reel the names off. You know, Mark Viduga, God, what a player from Zagreb, you know. Like, you're fortunate in the first place to be playing against him. And that's how we got him, you know, through the European qualifiers. And you said, then we've signed Harold. And then you've got Simon Donnelly, who could play up front. And obviously the master, Henrik, Chris Sutton, absolutely frightening. Uh, Mark Bircher was coming through at the time and banging goals in left, right and centre. So, and then uh, it's very, very difficult to get him to be a consistent part of the starting 11 but you know when I first came I knew what I was signing up for and the gaffer I think obviously Tommy had signed me to, to be one of his main strikers unfortunately over the probably the couple of years of, as I mentioned before managers not wanting to play me and all that but uh, and the injuries but as I said it worked out all, all right in the end Henrik and Sutty would be your first choice pair and centre forward in 99% of teams I know so there's no problems or no qualms about being on the bench and then coming on to replace them. Fortunately for me and unfortunately for Sutton, he had quite a few a few injuries during the first season. So I played a lot more games. And as I said, it culminated with the winning uh, the goal and the game and then winning the treble and all that. So as I've said before, the, uh, the time I had, the, the, the good time definitely outweigh the bad times I had. Yeah, and as a fan, the, the treble was... I suppose I was at an age as well where I hadn't seen success like that. It was just brilliant. Mm-hmm. And then you moved on, Tommy, then. How hard is it, Tommy, when, when you're leaving a successful team like that and you're leaving your teammates? And as you say, you become a fan as well and you, you have a, a love for the club. Yeah, uh, definitely. I was 29, I think, and then we contract 29, 30. And I just got to the stage, Andrew, where I wanted to play regular. You know, it, uh, I'd been there four and a half years and I mentioned the ease and not playing regular. And and you know, the gaffer offered me a new contract. You know, we sat down after the, we'd won the Scottish Cup. I think it was on the Monday or the Tuesday after it. And he was saying, I want you to stay. You know, the score, he was always up front with us. You're not going to be first choice. And I knew that because uh, obviously you had Henrik and Sutty and uh, John Hartson was just about to sign as well. So, you're looking at me being fourth choice at the time. So, and it wasn't a stage of money and all that. You know, I could have signed a new contract and just sat there on my bum and done nothing. But uh, I just wanted to play regular. I was getting to that stage, you know, I was 30. And when you get to 30, you don't know how long you've got left in football. So it was a case of that, of uh, 
just moving on. But there was no qualms at all. Yes, it's difficult. You're leaving, you know, a great city in Glasgow. Your teammates that you've been with for four and a half, five years. You know, the fans, the stadium, the, the success that we had. But it just in my head, I just wanted to play football and, and play regular football. And, and that's why I left. So no regrets? No regrets, no. No. It, I, as I said, I could have stayed. I'd, I'd had my time. Yeah. You know, it was uh, it was born off years of my life, which was absolutely, as I said, obviously I had some downs. But as I've said, the good times definitely out with uh, the bad times. But uh, no, it, it comes to us all when you've got to leave, you know. And it wasn't the case of the gaffer and his staff saying, right, thanks, Tommy. See you later. They did offer us a new contract. But just in my heart of hearts, I wanted to play more regular. Uh, and that's that's admirable. One player that's leaving at the moment, there's a number of players going to leave Celtic. One player that's leaving is Johnny Hayes. I see similarities with yourself, Tommy, because he, you know, he's in and out of the team. He's a utility player. He knew when he signed that he wasn't going to be automatic first choice. He's he's moving on now. But I was surprised that was in, he announced it on Instagram and the club didn't announce it first. You know, and I'm hearing whispers that Lennon wanted him to stay. That That seems to be a little different than your one. Well, we're, everybody's probably surmising at the minute, Andrew. I think deep down, everybody it was it was partial to the talks and with Johnny leaving, and Lenny, you know, Peter Lowell, Johnny himself, what did he want? You know, we don't know the ins and outs. I think if you're looking from Celtic point of view, they've got Greg Taylor at left back and we've got the other lad, the Austria, he played in Austria, I think. So was it a case of the many too many left backs? Because I think Johnny, you know, when he played, he played probably his best football at left back, bombing on. But as he said, everybody's surmising, and whether he wanted to stay, I would imagine he wanted to stay, or has he got another offer where he feels it's better to be a regular, you know, starter? I think he's 32 now, getting his dream move to Celtic at 28, 29. It was fantastic, but he's had three good years there, you know, and especially scoring the goal against Rangers. Uh, we don't know the ins and outs, so he, will he come back to England? Who, who knows? You know, but I think I would imagine it, there'll be plenty of takers for him, you know, because he is still a fit lad and, and a quality player. And I think he's going to leave with one more medal than you. Or maybe two. <laughs> or maybe two. Oh, I wish I was there now with the amount of medals they're getting. Yeah, oh, thoroughly deserved, Andrew. Yeah, thoroughly deserved. Uh, brilliant, Tommy. It's been a pleasure. But before you go, can I just get a quick comment um, on why you didn't take the South End job with Henrik? <laughs> well, if anybody can look at Southend now and say I've made the wrong decision by going to Blackpool, they can give me a call. But uh, yeah, it was all it was all done and dusted, and then I got a call, very very late call. Yeah, obviously I couldn't name them at the time, but it was Blackpool, and you know they've got a new owner, a new chief exec. We want to do. You know, we want to get promotion into the championship. And, you know, I know I had to let Henrik and Johan down in South End, but, you know, weighing it all up, I just felt that it was best for myself that I was going to Blackpool. And my my comment, you know, I spoke to Henrik and I spoke to Johan and the owner of South End, but uh, I still cannot believe that South End didn't give Henrik the job just because I wasn't going. You know what I mean? It's probably the first time I'd ever heard of. Uh, manager not getting a job because a, a head of recruitment wasn't going, you know, because uh, plenty of other people could have done my job, you know, with Henrik. So, but as I said, seeing seeing the position that Southend are in at the minute, you know, where they are on the table and all the problems they've had with finances and players not getting paid and points deduction, I think it was a probably a wise decision, and I would probably imagine a wise decision that Henrik and Johan never went as well. And this is the first time I've spoken about it. So you've done well, Andrew. I always yeah. get I always get an exclusive, Tommy. There's not many. Well, I wouldn't say it was an exclusive, but I'm just speaking the truth. You know, at the end of the day, it was my decision, and I felt it was a better footballing decision. Yes, would I want to work with Henrik? Definitely. You know, and Johan. Johan knew the leagues as well. He worked down at Bolton with Lenny, so he knew he knew the League One situation. He knew what it was like. So. It wasn't if it, they would be going in blind. Yes, Henrik, obviously, because he hadn't worked over here and he wanted to bring me and you on because we knew what it was like. But as I've said, at the end of the day, I've made the right decision and I begrudge anyone who says that I haven't. Or, and I've said, I think Henrik and Johan, with what's gone on at the 
Southend probably not to me, but the mates here that they have made the right decision not going as well. Well, Tommy, as I said, it's been a pleasure. It's always nice to catch up with someone I cheered on from the terraces. And I just want to say thanks very much and the best of luck for the future. And hopefully we'll have you on again sometime. No problem, Andrew. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Look after yourself. And maybe the next time we can do the interview in person and you can buy me a drink. Hopefully. That would be, that would be very, very nice. The drink as well. <laughs> Cheers, Tommy. I hope all the listeners enjoyed the interviews just as much as I did. It's always a pleasure to chat to Celtic fans and Celtic players. Once again, don't forget to check out the website, CelticFansian.com, for daily news and articles on our great team. You can also check out how to purchase the fanzine, both digital and print, and also take a look at our merchandise. And don't forget to follow us on social media, where you'll find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Folks, don't forget to tell your friends to listen in, and also give us a like, subscribe and a five-star rating. As I said before, we don't want any one-star ratings. We leave the one-star ratings for our friends across the sea. And once again, I'd like to thank our producer, Ronan McQuillan. Coming up on Tuesday's episode, I will be talking to Philadelphia-based Belfast-born Celtic fan Charlie Lord about institutionalised racism in America and the current protests. And I will also be chatting to former Celtic player and Feyenoord player Bobby Petter about his experience in football and racism in the game. I hope you all enjoyed this extended show and I hope you all have a great weekend. Keep the faith and most importantly, stay safe. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 